The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, starting in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Now, this is after Peter and John. Remember, a week ago, they were going into the temple at the hour of prayer in about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There was a lame man. Peter fastened his eyes on this guy, said, look on us. The man who held out his arm, you know, like, give me some alms for the poor. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed the guy by the hand and he lifted him to his feet and he began walking and leaping and praising God. So that is happening on the temple. And being, now, so here we have this gathering of the Sadducees uh, who came upon them, upon Peter and John, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. (laughs) And they laid hands on them. You know what that means? (laughs) They laid hands on them, not nicely. And they put them in custody until the next day. So you remember that Peter and John were going into the temple at about three in the afternoon. This big crowd gathers, Peter is preaching, and many of them are gonna get saved. So in the evening, kind of like right now, they grab Peter and John and they take them into custody and hold them overnight for the next day, it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So what this is saying is that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came and there was this rushing mighty wind that gathered a huge crowd. Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. Now when the lame man uh, gets healed, he's walking and leaping and praising God, another big crowd comes, Peter preaches again, and an additional 2,000 Jews become believers, and that's just counting the men. So now you have 5,000 men, maybe with their families, so you're looking at maybe 15 to 20,000 believers in the, and lovers and followers of Jesus Christ. But I wanna give you some practical lessons when witnessing for Christ. We're gonna go through it very quickly. Number one, God is long-suffering with lost sinners. (laughs) How many of you have family and friends that are not saved and with the Lord coming back soon, you want them to hear the gospel and get saved fast, amen? Well, here's good news. God is long suffering with lost sinners. Think about this, the leaders of Israel have already rejected the ministry of John the Baptist. You remember, they didn't listen to him, they didn't follow him, they didn't repent with him. And, and yet God said, well, I'm going to give him another chance. And then Jesus came and they took him and they rejected him and they crucified him. Now they're getting a third chance to hear the gospel and to hear about Jesus as the Messiah. Now he's risen from the dead and they're getting a third opportunity to repent and be saved and know that they're going to heaven. And we know that there were 2000 on that day that did respond and became believers in Jesus Christ. How many of you love that our God is a God of the second chance, and now we're at the third chance, and so it's never over for your family and friends. Never give up on your family. Never, never, ever give up at the last minute 
somehow, some way, God could save somebody that you think that's the last person that would ever get born again. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit falls upon them and they turn 180 degrees and go in a different direction. Number two, the way to reach the masses, if we want to reach the masses of the world, is by helping the individual. Uh, I love this because we keep thinking we've got to have big crowds. But here, God leveraged the healing of just one man on the Temple Mount. One man was supernaturally healed. He was lame from the time he was born, and he had never walked. He's over 40 years of age. He's constantly had to beg for the kindness of others. But through that one man, now an additional 2,000 Jewish people become believers. So do not get discouraged that I don't have a big impact. I don't have hundreds following me. I don't have a big uh, social media following. If you reach one member of your family, God can leverage that to reach a multitude. Amen? Amen. I love this. This beggar was exhibit A, of the power of God in transforming one life. Number three, notice this, because they immediately... Peter preaches. It's like, wow, the second preaching in a row, 3,000 got saved the first time, 2,000 got saved the next time, and the next thing you know, they get arrested. So know this, wherever God blesses, Satan shows up to oppose the work of God. So being greatly disturbed, we read, the Sadducees, they, you know, in this group of religious leaders, you have the Sadducees, and they did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe in angels. They did not believe in spirits. Listen, they basically only believed in morality. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. There are many in our country who are what I would call cultural Christians, not necessarily born again, but they're cultural American. I was born here, therefore I must be a Christian background. I believe in right and wrong. I believe in morality, and so that is their religion. And they may go to church once or twice a year or whatever, but it's not a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior. And what I want to warn you about is that the Sadducees were very religious, but they did not believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in resurrection because that's supernatural. They didn't believe in angels because that's supernatural. They didn't believe in spirits. They basically just said, look, it's all about this world, this life, and money. Kind of get as much as you can and basically be a good person and you'll be all right in the end. And what I want to say to you is that there was a whole class of people, the Sadducees, that were absolutely blind to what God had set up to send his son, the Messiah, the Savior, who died, paid for their sins, whose body was broken, whose blood was shed, who rose from the dead, who ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand, and sent his Holy Spirit now to prove that he rules and he reigns, and they didn't get it. And what's sad is it was a whole generation that were religious Jews but they had denied the presence and the power of God. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. If you can see it, read it out loud with me. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So you cannot, it's not good enough to be religious. It's not good enough to go to church. 
It's not good enough to be a cultural Christian. It's not good enough to believe in morality even or right and wrong and good and evil and I basically have a Judeo-Christian value. That's all fine, wonderful and good, but that's not salvation. And this, because their theology was wrong, they were headed to an eternity to be separated from the very God that they said they believed in. So we have to be careful. We have to be warned that God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Resurrection and eternal life is real. The forgiveness of sins is real. Heaven is real. Angels are real. Spirits are real. And you can have a personal relationship with the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, let's look at verses 5 through 12. So now this, this group of religious leaders, including the Sadducees, have trapped Peter and John. They've arrested them overnight. And now we read beginning in verse 5. It says, And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, uh, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, So it's all the head people, the same head people that he gathered for the trial of Jesus. We're gathered together in Jerusalem, and when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John, they asked them, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua, Mashiach, of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Woo! Man, Peter is preaching with the power of the Spirit and with boldness. You know, in the Old Testament, God had instructed that you are to try every man who comes doing miracles and signs and wonders. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses one through five. And you must try that man, just because it's supernatural, you have to test the spirits and see if he is a genuine prophet. And if that prophet, even if a miracle happens, leads you to any other God, you are to reject him and he is to be executed by stoning. So these religious leaders are now coming, and this is life and death, for Peter and John. Yes, a miracle has happened, and they don't even deny that. But they say, by what name and by what authority did you do this? Are you gonna give us some other God? And I love what Peter does. It says, instantly, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit again. As at Pentecost, he was filled again. And he, it was manifest by his boldness He is going to the very same people who had tried and rejected and had Jesus Christ beaten and then crucified. And as he goes to them, he says, if this day we have done anything wrong, then you show it. But we are telling you that it's by the name of Jesus that God has raised him from the dead in his name. 
This man is made whole before you. Peter preached Jesus. Jesus the crucified. The Jesus God raised from the dead. The Jesus who uh, healed this man standing before them. So I want you to look at me at verses 13 and 14. It says, and I pray this, may people perceive you have been with Jesus. Because now that Peter preaches to them, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But, what they, uh, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Wow. They, they, they said, okay, you guys stay here. They just said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He is the one who has done this miracle. And now they confer, they gather together, and they go, wow, where did this guy come from? He's challenging us. We're supposed to be threatening him, and he's threatening us. He's saying, we crucified the very Messiah. Then he quoted Psalm 118, which they all knew was a messianic psalm. And in that messianic psalm, it prophesied that Israel, when the Messiah comes, he will be rejected. Everybody knew that, that there was a prophecy about the Messiah. The Savior would come to Israel, and when he came, he would be rejected. And Peter goes, you just rejected, just like the prophet said that you would. That scripture applies to you. So here they were with tremendous uh, boldness. And I want to just say this. One of the, you know, as we believe that God is pouring out his spirit in these last days, how many of you want to be filled with the, and anointed with the Holy Spirit for such a time as this? All right. Let me tell you what the, the sign that you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit more than anything else is one word, bold. Be bold. Everybody say bold. Now say be bold. Be bold. So I want you to go to your family, to your friends, to your co-workers, your neighbors, or whoever it is, and you'll know the Holy Spirit has come upon you when you open your mouth and just go, look, there's no other way out of this horrible mess that we're in. There's no political solution. There's no economic solution. There's no moral solution. There's no reasoning our way or philosophizing our way. And there's no religious way out of this. We need a savior and there is a savior, Jesus of Nazareth, who came from heaven. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And he is alone, the only way by which you can be forgiven and healed and given eternal life. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Jesus, when you preach Jesus and when you preach him with boldness, that's the sign that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, look with me in the next uh, set of verses here. The Jewish leaders commanded them to stop preaching Jesus. <laughs> and they said, no. <laughs> so verse 17, but so that it spread no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. We command you, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop saying Yeshua. Stop talking about this man from Nazareth. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name 
of Jesus. Remember, Peter was going, what is the crime here? This man standing here that was lame and now he's healed and whole, and we tell you it happened by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. What crime have we committed? What violent act have we done? And he said, you, we don't want to listen to you. You stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them. Now, notice it's no longer Peter alone, but John begins to join. So Peter was the first to be bold, and he encouraged now John to be bold, and he started speaking up, and they're both saying the same thing. Everybody look up here. Hold up two fingers like this. The witness of two. Out of the mouth of two witnesses, a thing is established. When you join with one other person who has the courage and boldness in a you know, little cooler room talk or somewhere else and somebody's saying something weird and somebody stands up for the Christian faith and talks about Jesus, don't just sit and listen to them, but join them, put your words with them, say, I agree. This is what God has done for me. This is what the prayers that have been answered in my life. I want to say amen to what that brother just said or what that sister just said. Whoa, you change the atmosphere when you have even just two come into agreement, into a room, into a discussion with a family or around a table or out to dinner or whatever it may be. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. (laughs) He goes, you're telling us to not listen to God and listen to you? Well, okay, you better go think about that again. You're supposedly the religious people. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's the power of the gospel. That's what God will put boldness on. This is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced of Jesus Christ. I will never forget the day that I repented of my sins. Ask Jesus to come into my heart, be my personal Lord and Savior. I experience peace that passes understanding. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember when God answered your first prayer, when God began to speak to you through his word, when God heard you and began to minister to you? It's very beautiful and powerful. And when it's shared. So when they had further threatened them, so, so Peter and John just come back and they go, no, we're going we're gonna to listen to God. We're going to keep preaching in the name of Jesus. So they said, well, threaten them some more, which they did. And then they let them go. Now listen to this. A lot of us are afraid of standing up or saying something because then they'll, they'll grab us and do something mean to us or something will happen to us. But look at this. They threatened them and then they let them go. Jesus, they had beaten and crucified. Peter and John, they let them go. Now look why. Because so let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. So they were trying to make Peter and John afraid within Israel of preaching about Jesus Christ. Peter and John stood up and said, we're not afraid of you. You're not in control. You're not in charge. You're not the boss of the applesauce. God's on the throne. God's in charge. He healed that man. He's standing right there in front of you. What crime is that that God healed someone? And for that matter, we're not going to stop preaching in his name. And they were bold. And then the people are like, yeah, we like that guy. We like Peter and John. We like people that heal people and that lame people are able to walk. Yeah. So then the fear that was being thrust by those in charge came back upon them. This is the time 
I believe we don't need to be afraid of those who are in charge, large and in charge. We need to be bold, confident, back one another, even out of only two witnesses. We, and when we see people healed, we see people saved, we see people not commit suicide, but then get born again. We see people get delivered off of drugs or addictions or people turn their hearts around. They're gonna go, what's wrong with that? This is exactly what we need. Can I hear an amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.